the wedding by On My Literature Bullshit Again. Chapters 5 to 8. Part 3 of the Midwest by Disaster Zuka series. Read by Mellow Zuko Deer from AO3. Rating Teen Enough Audiences. Archive warning No archive warnings apply. See Chapter 1 for tags. Chapter 5 Summary Hey look, it's trauma. I.e. the boys share a bed and some baggage. This is a longer and less light-hearted chapter, but I hopefully haven't lost the charm of the bantering disasters. Trigger warning for references to child abuse and childhood trauma. Katara made a point of hugging Sokka extra tight before everyone left for the evening, and tucking her face into his shoulder. My baby sister, Sokka said, shaking his head. All grown up and getting married. Katara giggled at that and drew back. Thanks for being here for it, she said, even with all these stupid people. I swear I tried not to let Paku come. You can't stop people from doing what they're going to do, not in this town, Sokka said, letting her go. Seriously, as long as you're happy, I'm good. Katara looked over his shoulder at Zuko, who was waiting politely away from the remaining group of people hugging and saying goodbye. She looked back at Sokka with that annoying expression again. I want you to be happy too, though, Katara said, smiling as Sokka narrowed his eyes at her tone. See you in the morning? Of course, he replied, letting her go. Now, don't go too crazy tonight, and don't let Toph near fire, and be sure Suki doesn't punch anyone. Katara laughed. We'll see. Or, I guess, he said with an exaggerated sigh, call me if you need a ride, or bail money, or an alibi. Will do, Katara said, hugging him one more time, and then shoved him away. Go have fun with your boyfriend, she added, all smirky again, as she waved over his shoulder at Zuko, who waved dutifully in response. Sokka decided not to say anything to that but did head towards Zuko, who offered his hand again, as easily as if this were normal for them, just a thing they did. Sokka took it more naturally this time. He hated that his stomach got all stupid at just a handhold. What was he, thirteen? And that he felt that twinge of pain knowing it was all fake anyway. Whatever Katara might think, Zuko really was just a nice guy and a good actor. It was Sokka who was yearning like a moron in a young adult novel. Still, he enjoyed the hand-holding, and the leisurely walk back toward the car through the dark, emptying parking lot. Neither said anything as they walked, until Zuko suddenly muttered, Oh, wow, and stopped beside him. Sokka glanced over at his breathless tone, confused, and saw that Zuko's head was tipped back, hair caught in the wind, his lips faintly parted. Sokka followed his gaze upward. Oh, right. The stars definitely don't look like that in the city. Yeah, he said, looking at him from the corner of his eye. I do miss that sometimes. The stars were very pretty out in the middle of nowhere. Incredibly bright and covering the whole sky, but really, Sokka had seen prettier views. Namely, Zuko looking up at that sky right now. He'd gone relaxed and awestruck, face cut with shadow. It was frankly unfair that he could look like that just standing there, 
partially because nobody should allow to be that unintentionally attractive, and partially because Sokka couldn't just grab and kiss him right now like he wanted to. Damn it. Did he... did he even try to broach the topic? Did he dare? How did someone even do something like that? Like, hey, you're super attractive and way out of my league, and I know this was a fake date, but you want to make it real now, because goddamn am I into you? God, Zuko had laugh in his face. Which wouldn't be the worst thing except for Sokka's ego and his dumb feelings. Zuko must have caught Sokka's gaze because suddenly he was looking at him too. Expression softened the darkness. Lips lifted in a faint smile. Sokka wasn't sure how to read the look in his eyes, but still the moment seemed to hang there, thrumming between them, before Zuko looked away and cleared his throat. Right, we should go, he said. Right, Sokka echoed, stumbling back toward familiar territory. Although I'd hate to break up the blossoming romance between the EMT and the Milky Way. He narrowed his eyes. There's probably a joke there about sparks or speed or something. Zuko scoffed and rolled his eyes and pulled Sokka back toward the car, and things were normal between them again, all the way from the community building back to the hotel. It was dark and late, and they were both exhausted by the time they stumbled back into the shared hotel room and flipped on the light. They were then confronted with the single king bed, sitting there, taking up most of the room, just mocking them with its singularity. Right, Zuko said, stopping and staring at it. I'll just sleep on the floor, Sokka said immediately. You have to be in a wedding tomorrow, Zuko argued. I'll sleep on the floor. You're only here as a favour to me. Yeah, so let me do you the favour. Why are you like this? Why are you like this? Sokka threw up his hands. What, we'll both be stubborn and just sleep on the floor? Zuko scowled at the bed as if it was personally responsible for all this, which Sokka had to agree with. Stupid Super 8. Stupid waterfront. Stupid hot neighbour. Sleeping on the floor wasn't the worst thing, right? Who needed a functioning spine anyway? I guess, Zuko said suddenly, cutting across Sokka's thoughts. It is a pretty big bed. He shot Sokka a glance, wincing slightly. Sokka returned the look, surprised. Uh... Zuko just shrugged. We could just, um... Sokka risked picking up what Zuko was tossing his way. Just put a wall of pillows between us? Divvy up the blankets? Stay on our own sides? Sokka stared at him a moment longer, feeling a bit like they were playing a strange game of semi-sexual chicken. So, he ventured when Zuko didn't swear first, we'll just share it? Fine by me, Zuko agreed. And there was that moment again, hovering awkwardly, before they broke apart to change and get ready for bed. There weren't actually enough pillows to erect a fully functional barrier between them, but they did both stay strictly on their own sides, with something like a foot and a half of untouched bedspread between them. The bedside lights were still on, casting everything in a sort of orangish glow as they both lay stiffly under the blankets. Okay, so, Zuko offered, staring straight up at the ceiling like it was lecturing him about his most recent behaviour. 
You doing okay? All good, Sokka said quickly. Yep, all good. Got through today, only got openly insulted by one not even really a relative, and the result was just passive-aggressive on-brand crap. So yeah, best case scenario. Good stuff. He tipped his head briefly Zuko's way. You? Uh, great. Good. Yeah, okay. He replied, still staring at the ceiling, looking like he was in physical pain even under the blankets. His hands folded on his stomach on top of them. So, good night? Sokka said. Yeah. Good night, Zuko replied, rolling quickly to shut off the light before returning to his flat position. Sokka turned his off too, no longer feeling as tired as he had been, but he lay still anyway. The only noise in the room was the quiet hum of the air conditioner, which wheezed slightly from under the window, and the occasional cars going by in the parking lot. They only liked the glow from streetlights outside. But Sokka's brain was being loud again. You still awake? Sokka whispered. It's been, like, 30 seconds, Zuko replied immediately. Well, you never know. Who falls asleep in 30 seconds? Probably plenty of people. Maybe those on the verge of death from physical exhaustion. Or just those who don't ingest caffeine like it's oxygen. Zuko sighed beside him. Is this what you needed me for right now? Oh, right, Sokka replied. No, I just wanted... He twisted his hands together. I just wanted to thank you again. He stared up at the ceiling, acutely aware of any movement from the other man in the bed. For coming with, I mean, and dealing with all of this. It was probably a lot more than you actually bargained for, so I'm fine paying for all of the hotel room, and I also totally understand that this was way too much to ask from you, and that maybe you'll be sick of me now because I just annoy you a lot, so it's fine if you want to cancel our movie nights moving forward, or... I'm gonna need you, Zuko said slowly, although the humour was audible in his voice, to take a deep breath again. Sokka shut his mouth and tried. And you're welcome, Zuko said quietly. And it's not too much. You told me what I was getting into and I still agreed. I still feel bad, though. You don't need to. Yeah, but I do anyway. Zuko sighed again. Maybe it was the dark, and they're not looking at him, and that lingering tension from the hallway. Or maybe he was just tired and stupid. But Sokka found himself speaking. I just feel bad about the kids making you feel weird, he said lamely. Just what you've mentioned with your family drama, and I don't want you to be traumatised or something. The noise Zuko made was almost a laugh. I'm not traumatised. Or, well, not by your family or some kids. And I did a lot of martial arts and meditation as a teen, and plenty of therapy as an adult, and I've worked through a lot of it. Thought I'd worked through a lot of it. So I'm the only one that's sorry for getting weird. It's not... His voice went even quieter. It's not on you to take care of me. But I want to, said Sokka's dumb yearning brain. But thankfully his mouth didn't. 
Your family isn't so bad either, Zuko continued to Sokka's surprise. You've got a sister who loves you, a dad who supports you, friends and people who are happy to have you around. And yeah, a lot of the extended family might not be great, but they're far away, right? And you've done this now. Sokka heard his hand move on the blanket, likely gesturing between them. So, they shouldn't try and set you up with girls to fix you anymore. Successful strategy. By Erasure, defeated. Sokka snorted. Look at us, fixing centuries of homophobia in one weekend. You know what I mean, Zuko replied with a grunt. Yeah, I do. Sokka shifted on the blanket, considering and struggling with him. Look, can I... can I ask something personal? he asked finally. He could practically feel Zuko go tense across the bed from him. You can say no, you know, Sokka offered. Honestly, you could tell me to go fuck myself and make me sleep in the car at this point and I'd probably do it out of sheer guilt. Zuko chuckled just a little. No, it's fine, he said carefully. Ask away. Sokka tongued his lip, trying to figure out what he wanted to say, if he wanted to push it at all. But Sokka was someone who wanted to take care of people. Maybe needed to take care of people. So he couldn't just leave it alone completely. Your family, Sokka ventured. I'm guessing they're... not so loving and supportive. Not really a question, Zuko said, shifting against the pillow. But, um, no. Not really. I mean, uncle is. He always has been. And I'm rebuilding my relationship with my sister, but... No. Sokka could hear the pop of his lips parting. Not really anyone else. And, uh, your dad? Sokka pressed. Is this a separate question? Ah, you can still tell me to go fuck myself. Zuko's laugh was small, but still there. Nah, maybe we're at the trauma-sharing portion of our, uh, friendship. I mean, I did dump all my trauma on you in the car. Fair. But that also doesn't mean you owe me anything, or whatever. Sure. There was a pause, but Zuko hadn't rolled away from him or shut down the conversation, so Sokka tried again. So your dad, he said, is in prison? Zuko made a sort of affirming noise. His wealth and influence kept him out for quite a while, but all his shit did finally catch up to him. So it's good he's there. Yeah, Zuko replied, voice low. It's good. That's good then. Zuko made a noise that was in the vicinity of a laugh again although there was something pained in it. Still find it funny that it was their money laundering that finally brought him down, not the whole burning half his kid's face off with boiling water for back-talking. He clucked his tongue. I mean, I'm glad he's gone regardless, but you gotta love the justice system. It took Sokka's brain a moment to catch up with what he was saying, and then it was like everything inside of him tunneled down to one painful point, like a collapsing star. He'd sat up and spun to face Zuko where he lay in the dark before he'd even processed he was moving. 
Your dad, he tried to say, and he couldn't make out Zuko's face. There wasn't enough light to see, and his blood was pounding in his ears. Your dad? Hell of a guy, Zuko said humorlessly. He... he did? Uh Uh-huh. For hell fucking shit, I will kill him, Sokka said, the words ripped out of him. You will not. Give me half a chance and I will. It was a long time ago. I don't give a fuck. I will kick that guy's balls up into his throat. As satisfying as that image is, Zuko said with a small laugh, there's no way. I will find a way. You're a graphic designer trapped in a small town with no car right now, Zuko pointed out. Not much you could do from here. Sokka chewed at the inside of his cheek, still horrified and seething and disgusted all at once. But Zuko was right. There wasn't anything he could do to his piece of shit dad. But Zuko? Zuko was here. God. Zuko with his guard up and the permanent mask of abuse on his fucking face. He still joked and played along and put up with Sokka for some reason. I'm so sorry, Sokka said softly, focusing on Zuko instead of the anger. That should never have happened to you. I know, I know that now, Zuko replied, but thank you. Is that how you ended up with your uncle when you were 13? Yeah. 13. Christ. Sokka really would windmill slam Zuko's father into the next century if he was ever given half a chance. No regrets at all. And he's... Sokka continued pushing down that emotion again. Your uncle's good to you? Of course. Zuko sounded almost offended as he said it. And again, it was all a long time ago. Yeah, I was a hurt, angry teen picking fights with everyone possible for a while, but I was lucky. I had people like Uncle who were patient and loved me, and they helped get me through it. One of his hands moved to rub the scar, and Sokka waited, not moving. My face healed. I healed. Lots of coping methods and therapy. Zuko shifted, dropping his hand again. Life keeps going, I guess. And really, he added, tonight was a fluke. I was just surprised. I wouldn't normally be like that. You can be however you want. I guess. Because that's still, Sokka whispered, so fucked up, and I... But there just weren't words for the feeling in his chest. Yeah, Zuko agreed anyway voice far away. Can, Sokka began, scooting a little closer, can I give you a hug? He could feel Zuko hesitating. You can still tell me to go fuck myself, Sokka offered, trying to make his tone light. When Zuko still didn't respond, Sokka lay back down, although he remained rolled toward him, available but not pushing. The air was still thick with something, pain or anger or hurt or all of that at once, and Sokka felt himself swallowing around it. 
Or, um, did I ever tell you about the guy in town who accidentally adopted a Canadian goose? He asked, intentionally casual. He thought it was an abandoned duckling. Sokka thought he heard Zuko roll to face him too. Really? He asked, and maybe he had shifted a little bit closer, his voice a little clearer. What happened? Sokka smiled. Well, by the time the guy realised it was a giant mean bird dino, it had already decided this random farmer was its mum. So he ended up with this half-feral goose named Beaker, who followed him everywhere and tried to sleep in his bed, and bit the mailman so many times he just started yeeting this guy's mail onto the driveway and running. Zuko gave a low laugh, one that wasn't twisted through with pain or nerves. Small towns are weird. They really are, Sokka agreed, just barely making out the silhouette of the man across from him. They lapsed into silence a little while longer, and Sokka thought maybe that was it, that they'd go to sleep and pretend none of this had happened. He could be fine with that. He'd accept whatever Zuko was willing to give him as far as the whole soul-bearing went, and it would be enough. More than enough. Then Zuko's voice came out of the darkness, small and wary. I'll take that hug now, if it's still being offered. Sokka immediately bridged the gap in the bed, opening his arms, and then he had a surprising armload of hot neighbour pressed into his chest. Zuko wrapped his arms around Sokka's back and tucked his face into the crook of his neck, and it was so intense the grip he had like he was about to drown and Sokka was a life raft. Sokka held very still for a second, unsure of this vulnerable Zuko, but then let his own arms wrap around him. He squeezed just enough to offer some warmth and comfort, brushing his cheek against the top of Zuko's head. It was slightly awkward, two guys of similar heights and sizes trying to hug while lying down chest to chest, but Sokka pushed down any discomfort or any of his own stupid feelings and simply held Zuko as best he could. I don't talk about it, Zuko muttered into Sokka's shirt, breath ghosting across his skin. I wouldn't either. If people ask, I tell them it was a childhood accident. Which is your right. You don't owe people shit. Zuko grunted a laugh and his grip relaxed a little. People just get freaked out about stuff like that. Yeah, because people suck sometimes. Another huffed sort of breath from Zuko's hidden face, buried against Sokka in a way that had his heart hammering. Sokka let out a low breath, trying to figure out what he wanted to say. After my mum died, he began softly, and Zuko shifted against him. People were just weird about it. How do you talk to a seven-year-old about their mum dying? He shut his eyes a moment, the memories squirming there just out of sight. And I just hated it, the way they'd be around me, so eventually I just stopped talking about it. Zuko's hand moved briefly on Sokka's back brushing up to between his shoulder blades and back down. I still don't really talk about it, don't like talking about it, Sokka said. So what I'm trying to say, I guess, is that I get it, sort of. I know it's not the same, I've never gone through anything like what you... It's okay, Zuko murmured. You get it. 
At least, soccer continued. I get wanting to not look at the shitty stuff, wanting to just move past it. And I swear I'll never bring any of this up again if that's what you want. Zuko's hand twisted in the back of Sokka's shirt and then released. How are you so nice? he murmured, barely audibly. I'm not that nice, Sokka replied, propping his chin on Zuko's head as best he could. They lay that way, tangled up and clinging to each other, for a few slow breaths. Zuko's voice was soft when it emerged again. I'm sorry about your mum. Me too, Sokka said, heart strangely heavy. I'm sorry about your dad. Yeah, me too. They remained that way a little longer, pressed together like this was usual behaviour, like there was nothing weird about two dudes just hugging in bed and talking about their trauma. Thank you, Zuko said. For what? Zuko drew back a little bit, although his face was still hidden. For letting me tell you? For being here? For sharing your shit? I don't know. Sokka could feel his exhale, feel the brush of Zuko's hair rubbing against his jaw. Just thank you. Yeah, Sokka said, twisted up inside. Of course. What are... what are upstairs neighbours for? I mean... Zuko echoed, a hitch of humour in his voice. Probably not this. Sokka chuckled and wanted to offer something else. Offer whatever he could. He wanted to protect and defend and fight and hold with something fierce and strange inside of him. And the feeling was frightening in its rawness. Sokka wasn't sure he was breathing, which was probably bad. But he couldn't bring himself to care. He could offer this at least. Being here. Zuko shook his head and finally pulled back from being wrapped up with Sokka, although he didn't go very far. One hand still lingered just under Sokka's ribs, making his skin prickle even through the thin t-shirt. And one of Sokka's was on his side too. He just barely let his thumb rub a soft up and down over Zuko's waist, and the worn fabric of his shirt. This was not the bed-sharing we agreed upon, Zuko said, with a kind of hollow laugh and Sokka let himself echo the noise. No, it wasn't, he agreed. Good thing we didn't actually sign any legal contracts. He wanted to stay there. He wanted to keep touching him. Really, there were a lot of things he wanted. To ask if Zuko was okay, tell him he was sorry again, ask if he could do anything to help. But there were even more ridiculous things he wanted too. To gather Zuko back up in his arms as much as possible, roll him onto his back with Sokka like a shield over him, kiss him senseless until morning. But he didn't do any of those things. Not now. Not like this. There was something fragile here, that trust. And Sokka knew how it felt to carry trauma around inside you, and actually hold it out for people to see. Should I go back to my side? Sokka asked, taking his hand off Zuko's waist. Yeah, probably, Zuko said, pulling his hand back too and moving toward his own side. That'd be best, I think. Sokka nodded and let him go, moving away himself until he was situated with that swathe of once more untouched bedspread between them. His brain had now gone the opposite of that head-empty dial tone noise, and instead was ping-ponging through 
every possible thought and decision, hyper-aware of everything around him. He noticed people going by in the hall, noticed the dog bark outside, noticed Zuko shift on the other side of the bed. But Sokka just lay on his back again, looking up at the ceiling. His chest ached with wanting, but he didn't indulge it. Hey Zuko, he hissed after a little while. You still awake? It's been less than two minutes, Zuko replied, his voice familiar in its faux exasperation. Yes, I'm still awake. Sokka crossed his hands behind his head, shoving away all the spinning and jumbling and settled on something familiar, something he was good at, something they could do to move away from the lingering discomfort. Wanna hear the EMT puns I've been saving up? he asked with a smile. I very much do not, Zuko said immediately. What a liar. Come on, Sokka wheedles anyway. Why do EMTs always work in twos? Is the go-fuck-yourself option still in effect? Sokka just chuckled and turned his head to beam his direction. Because they're paramedics! Zuko sighed loudly. Sokka, I swear to god. Why is it great matching with EMTs on Tinder? Why you like this? My sister calls it middle schoolboy levels of attention-seeking behaviour. Zuko grunted a laugh. Smart sister. Do you want to know the end of the joke or not? Of course I don't. Sokka watched the unclear shape of Zuko in the dark, waiting and grinning to himself, hoping he'd bet right on returning to the safety of this dynamic. He had. Fine. Yes, I do, Zuko said, sounding terribly put upon. Knew it, and it's great matching with the EMTs, because they're first responders, Sokka finished proudly. A second later, a pillow hit him squarely in the face, which made him squawk and sputter in a decidedly unattractive way. But Zuko was laughing, so it really wasn't that bad after all. Chapter 6 Summary Accidental cuddles and unrealised miscommunications. It's gonna take them a bit, my friends. Sokka woke up from a strange dream in the middle of the night, feeling warm and groggy and confused about where he was. Even in the dark, he knew this was definitely not his room, not his bed, and that he was also not alone in it. Specifically, someone had tucked themselves under his left arm and burrowed into his chest, going full baby koala around his torso. He squinted in the dark, shifting slightly to figure out what was happening, and finally started making sense of the situation. The wedding, the hotel room, the one bed, Zuko. Zuko. That was definitely who was going full cuddle party around Sokka in the middle of the night. And apparently Sokka, dead asleep, had just lifted his arm and made room for the other man against his chest, without a conscious thought. 
who knew Zuko of all people was a snuggler? And a nice one too. All cosy and pliant and breathing softly into Sokka's shirt, his legs wrapped around one of Sokka's, and one hand cupped around his waist. Sokka wasn't entirely sure what was happening, if this was just some very vivid dream, or if Zuko really was curled around him, all warm and soft and clingy. Did Sokka... did he push him away? Did he try to scoot him back to his own side of the bed without waking him? Did he feign ignorance and let it keep happening, and secretly enjoy that the hot guy downstairs apparently wanted to wrap around him in his sleep? That certainly seemed like the nicest option. Don't look a gift-hot neighbour in the mouth, or whatever the saying was. So Sokka shifted a little, allowed himself to tip his cheek down to rest on the top of Zuko's head, and fell promptly back asleep. He woke up to his alarm and a much brighter room, but he only groaned and moved enough to slap his right hand down onto his phone and find the off button. Then he settled back into the bundle of blankets and the armload of Zuko still imitating a suckerfish against his side. Most of his face wasn't visible, just a tousel of dark hair and the side of a reddish scar, and a snarl of blankets pulled up to his chin. Sokka had never looked closely at the scar. There'd never been a reason to, and he wasn't going to be that arsehole. But he adjusted a little to look at it more now. The roughness of the skin the different colours of healing, the swoop of it along his cheek. Boiling water. His own dad. Sokka felt the murder rising up in him again, but he kept it at bay. Now wasn't the time, and Zuko was right. There was nothing he could do about it, and poking at him or being mad about it wouldn't help. All he could do was keep holding him while he was allowed to, while Zuko was still all loose limbs and face snuggled into Sokka's shirt. Let him keep snoozing, the poor, sleep-deprived, high-strung, overly opinionated jerk-face that Sokka had fallen head over heels for like a dumbass. Why had he done this to himself? Why did he let himself do this? But maybe something had changed after last night. Maybe he could try to wander toward the concept of taking the bee out of their bromance, and see where Zuko was at. Maybe there was some snowball's chance in hell that Zuko felt the same way? There was nothing he could do at the moment, though, so he just resisted the urge to gently brush the hair away from Zuko's forehead and focused on not waking him up. He shifted just enough to unplug his phone and bring it to his chest, immediately turning off the volume. They had at least an hour still until Sokka really had to wake Zuko up and get them both moving, so he was going to enjoy the time while he could. He flipped through messages, looked at the pictures the pet sitter had sent of Boomerang and Dragon, clicked through Snapchat stories, and played a few levels of a Flash game. All the while, his left arm remained looped around Zuko's shoulders, and Zuko remained tucked into his chest. He fit there easily, like he was supposed to be there, like they were supposed to be a match set. Oh god. Sokka hated himself a little bit for that thought, but he still didn't move his arm from around his fake boyfriend. About half an hour later, Zuko started to stir, cheek rubbing against Sokka's chest. Sokka... 
Zuko muttered. But it came out as a gravelly sort of purr that was mostly muffled in Sokka's shirt. Fuck, you can't say my name like that. Sokka whispered to himself, looking away. It's just not fair. Zuko didn't say anything else, just nuzzled his stupid attractive face into Sokka's chest again and squeezed his hand around his side. Zuko still smelled like shampoo and lingers of cologne, some lush, musky scent, and Sokka had to stop himself from nuzzling right back into his hair. Zuko mumbled something unclear into his chest, and Sokka held perfectly still, unsure what was happening, but afraid to break the spell. He looked back at his phone to check the time, hoping selfishly that Zuko might go back to sleep and let him keep pretending for a little bit longer. Zuko shifted, peeling his face from Sokka's chest so he could squint up at him with his one visible eye. Good morning, Sokka said pleasantly, setting his phone aside again. Zuko continued to stare at him. Good morning, he muttered back, hand moving to sweep across Sokka's chest and then rub his own face. You okay there? Sokka asked, trying not to laugh because he looked so squishy and disoriented. Did he just ask him out now, while he was groggy and dumb and sweet? Just go for it like the desperate weirdo he was? Are we cuddling? Zuko grumbled finally, narrowing both eyes at him as he raised his head. I mean, Sokka said, gesturing to them with his free hand. Apparently? But, Zuko muttered, blinking a few times, Why? Sokka did actually laugh at that. You tell me, bud. Zuko finally seemed to evaluate their position, which was basically them pressed close to the edge of the right side of the bed, with a ridiculous amount of empty space at Zuko's back. He squinted again and finally jerked back from being superglued to Sokka's side, face turning red. What? Why would I? I don't... He stammered, openly panicked. Okay, so that was a no on asking him out with no warning. Sokka mentally shifted gears. Hey, it's fine, Sokka said, smiling. I don't mind a little cuddling between bros. No toxic masculinity here. Yeah, but... but... Zuko tried again, somehow turning a bit more red. That wasn't the agreement. Sokka laughed again. Well, apparently our asleep selves didn't care. You, Zuko said, finally sitting up, you were holding me. It came out almost accusatory, which probably wasn't good, and Sokka raised his hands. Hey, you were the one plastering yourself to my side. So don't go pinning this on me, he teased. Who knew you were such a snuggle bug? Zuko scuffed a hand through his hair and glared, which wasn't very effective considering he still had lines from Sokka's shirt on his face and insane bedhead. I am not, he grumbled, a snuggle bug. Of course you're not, Sokka replied, pushing back the blankets. I don't cuddle with people like that, Zuko said, 
untangling himself from the mess of bed. Well, I guess I'm just special then, Sokka said, smirking and hoping maybe that was enough of a hint, an invitation. Zuko coloured again and looked away. God, I need coffee, he muttered, rather than responding. You always need coffee. Zuko glared again, still mostly ineffectively, and Sokka just laughed. We can get you coffee, he said, climbing out of bed. Come on. There was, in fact, enough time to go get plates of the crappy hotel breakfast and styrofoam cups of coffee, all of which they squirrelled back to the hotel room rather than lingering in the breakfast area in their sleep pants and Zuko's mismatched flip-flops. They then ate their abducted waffles and bagels and yoghurt cups while sitting cross-legged on the large bed, and chatting about the wedding and Sokka's family. It was fun and easy. No mentions of last night or the accidental snuggles. Just joking and making up stupid names for some of the more obscure relatives and, and grumbling about the stale state of the baked goods. Only once they'd mostly finished, the bedside tables now clustered with cups and empty milk cartons and crumpled napkins, did Sokka start worrying about making concrete plans for the day. There were pictures to be taken, a ceremony, a dinner, a dance. But it would all be fine, a nice combination of celebration and subterfuge. Until Zuko cleared his throat during a lull in the conversation, his face going serious. Hey, he said, arms and expression stiff. Can we talk about something? Sokka stared at him in confusion, and turned to set his coffee off to the side. Uh, yeah, he said, internally terrified. What's up? Zuko took a deep breath. Look, I'm sorry about last night. Sokka stared at him. What? The cuddling? Because I honestly don't care about... Zuko shook his head. No. Well, sure, for that too, I guess. But no, I meant for subjecting you to all the... His jaw clenched, and then he gestured sharply at the left side of his face. Sokka blinked at him once. Are you apologising for talking to me? Or for answering questions I asked you? Zuko shot him a glare. I shouldn't have dumped all that on you. Not while you're dealing with all the stuff with the wedding and this weekend. It's way too much to just force someone else to deal with when we're not. Seriously? Sokka asked, eyebrows pulling together while his stomach started to drop. I've been dumping my shit on you for like 24 hours straight. Or well, as straight as anything can be with me, he finished, smiling, trying to diffuse whatever weird tension Zuko was feeling. I'm serious. Zuko said, clearly not diffused and taking on a strangely formal, detached sort of tone. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have made you deal with that, because it's fucked up and weird and sad and all the other shitty things about having baggage. I don't want to make you uncomfortable or change the way you... He cut himself off, rubbing a hand over his face. I just don't want things to change. Considering what exactly that meant... Sokka finally scooted forwards in the bed until he was directly across from Zuko and put his hands on both his shoulders. Zuko fell silent, 
although he looked back at him again with an expression oscillating between worried and annoyed. Sokka poked at his own squishy feelings, trying to figure out what to do, trying to interpret what this conversation actually meant. We're good, Sokka decided simply, staring at Zuko's face. I'm not uncomfortable, and you don't have to apologise. Was it just the light in the morning, making the skin along Zuko's cheekbones look pink? I just, Zuko said swallowing, don't want to make things weird. He pinched the bridge of his nose, and then let his hand drop, eyes serious again. I just like the way things are with us right now. The way that they were going before all this, and I don't want to mess it up or complicate things. His lips pulled thin a bit as he said it, and Sokka ignored the stab in his gut. So, that was clearer. Of course Zuko wanted things to stay the way they were, stay friendly and keep that distance between them, like it had been before this weekend. It had been too much intimacy, all the pretending to date and the bed-sharing and the trauma, and that wasn't what Zuko had signed up for. It was too intense for the thing they had going, so he was letting Sokka down easy. So you, Sokka said for clarification, like the way things have been with us? The way it was before? Zuko managed a slim smile, something vulnerable in his expression. I... yeah. I really do, Sokka. Of course he did. It was just Sokka, making it weird and romantic. Wait, do you not? Zuko asked, suddenly looking nervous. And now Sokka felt bad. Of course I like the way things are with us, Sokka said, hoping the popped balloon feeling inside of him wasn't coming through in his face. You didn't mess anything up. We're good. All good. Zuko looked so relieved that Sokka actually felt a sinking of guilt. Had he really been that obvious and off-putting about his crushy feelings that Zuko felt like he had to do this? Remind Sokka that they were just friends? That that was their whole dynamic? Because if so, that fucking sucked. Okay, good, Zuko said, so horribly sincere as he reached up and squeezed a hand around Sokka's bicep for a moment, and Sokka tried to smile. Friendship was good, and they were definitely friends now, which was great. Zuko was a nice guy and a good friend, and that was all this had ever been. Obviously. Zuko had made that clear from the beginning when he'd agreed to come with, that this was a favour he was doing Sokka, and there wasn't anything else between them except camaraderie and humour. Sokka had just let himself make something out of nothing, because Zuko was hot, and weird, and charming in his grumpy old man way. They were just friends. Just... supposed to be friends. And that was great. Totally didn't make Sokka's heart feel like a crushed dead bird at all. Nope. All good. The only thing that makes stuff weird with us, Sokka said, forcing the lightness into his tone, are your damn flip-flops. Zuko huffed, but something did relax around his shoulders as he shrugged Sokka off and tried to employ the go-fuck-yourself clause from last night, working to repress a smile. Sokka tried to make himself laugh along. Sokka worked not to think about any of it, any of that mushy bullshit 
as he got dressed and did his hair and headed back towards Perda with an especially well-dressed Zuko. But Sokka couldn't think that way, needed to tamp down the insane slap of oh fuck look how hot he is, reaction he had to Zuko in a dark suit and tie. He had to not focus on the smell of him, or the way it had felt to be curled up with him, or how light he felt whenever Zuko made a stupid joke or smiled his way. He couldn't think that way because Zuko didn't want that. Sokka had to accept it. Did it make him edgy and restless and tired? Obviously. Was he dealing with it? Um, sure. Did dealing with it mean shoving it into the dumpster pile of everything else stressing him out and making him feel bad about himself, and then mentally putting the dumpster pile behind a locked door and lighting it on fire? Absolutely. That was the healthy way to deal with things, right? By just saying, later, and pretending they didn't exist? Sokka doubted it, but didn't feel at the moment he had another choice. Chapter 7 Summary Sibling bonds plus unintended crying plus fake boyfriend equals... Wedding? Or, the author has a lot of feelings about soccer and his childhood and relationship with Katara, so this chapter happened. It was easier for Sokka to put his feelings aside once they were actually at the community centre again, the whole place already bustling with activity. It was easy to get pulled into helping with final setup, make sure everyone got their little flower things pinned on correctly and the programmes were put out, and curling irons weren't left on in the back rooms. Zuko stayed around him, helping out where extra hands were needed, and he joked and teased just like they'd been doing so far. All Sokka had to do was play along like he had been. Easy peasy. The photographer finally called the immediate family and wedding party to come outside for pictures, so Sokka bid Zuko goodbye for the moment. I give you full permission to slap someone if they're being terrible, Sokka said before he left, briefly ignoring Grand Grand waving for him to follow. Zuko just chuckled, leaning against the back of a chair. I'll keep that in mind, he said, grinning. Well, don't you two make the most handsome couple, Toph said, whacking her cane very purposefully against Sokka's ankle as she approached. Ow, why are you like this, Sokka said, taking a step back. But thanks, Toph. He glanced at Zuko, registering that lurch in his stomach, but he pushed past it. We do clean up pretty good when we... Sokka stopped and glared at Toph as she smirked up at him. Ha ha, Toph. You got me. Happy now? I mean, kinda, Toph replied, reaching for his arm and smiling. I don't get to make my amazing jokes around you enough anymore, so I gotta go for it when I can. She looped their arms together. Now say goodbye to your pretty boyfriend. It's picture time! Sokka rolled his eyes, but did meet Zuko's gaze again. Goodbye, pretty boyfriend, he said, with an attempt at a goofy grin. What was a little extra stab in the chest to add to the pile of edgy weirdness living inside him today? At least then he got to turn and be dragged away by a very small and very persistent young woman, and he could be distracted again. Wow, Toph said as they walked back through the community centre. So you're like... 
really gone on the guy, huh? What are you talking about? Good God, could you put more affection and yearning into your voice? Toph laughed. Fuck's sake, and I thought it was bad when you were with Suki with the roses and the bad poetry, but this is next level. Sokka scoffed, hard in his throat. I was 16 when Suki and I dated, he said, rather than addressing anything else. And yeah, I was a romance disaster then, because I was 16. And yet, you're still a disaster now, Toph said succinctly. He really must be pretty. Yeah, I mean, he is, Sokka said. And shit, he sounded wistful. Just stay behind the door feeling. Stay in your lane. But also, Sokka glanced down at Toph as they walked. He and Zuko were supposed to be dating in this scenario, right? Toph was picking up totally legitimate vibes in her mind. She didn't know any different, so why couldn't Sokka just indulge in the fantasy for a moment? It couldn't make the rejection sting any more than it already did. Right? And he's smart, he continued, leading Toph down the hallway. And funny, in this dry sort of way. But he's also more patient and sweet than he lets on. And he's dealt with some seriously messed up shit and he's still good to people. Just good because that's who he is, and... Damn, he puts on a suit with a body like that and I could just... Okay, if it gets any more sappy or pornographic, I'm gonna barf on you, Toph said, making a face. Like, good for you, yay, relationship, whatever, but also... Ugh. Sokka chuckled. Fair enough, but remember, you started it. Yeah, yeah, Toph replied as they stepped outside. I'll have to congratulate the guy on turning our dear awkward snoozles into a lovesick puppy dog. Please don't, Sokka said with a grunt. But then they were approaching the rest of the wedding party and their closest family members, Aang and Katara in the middle. And Katara, because of who she was, looked absolutely beautiful and perfect. Actually, Sokka realised as he watched her do a twirl in her white dress, dark hair flowing down her back. She looked like someone else. She looked like their mum. Sokka had been young at the time, and it had been sudden. An accident, a tragedy. He hadn't understood any of that then, just knew his mum was gone, and his sister needed him now, and that the world was unfixably different. He told Zuko the truth, that he didn't talk about it. Didn't look at it unless he had to. It hurt too much to feel the memories blur and fade with time, and he'd just spent his childhood trying to be strong like his dad, and trying to help Katara deal with her own grief, and then ultimately trying to deal with being a bi-male in a small town. There had been more pressing things to worry about than his own feelings of loss, no matter how much they lingered there inside him, so he'd just kept pushing them away. By now he really only remembered his mum through familiar photos, had memorised her face in two dimensions, family vacation pics in Alaska, his mum and dad on their honeymoon, mum holding baby Katara while Sokka peeked into her lap. She'd become something static, an image he only let himself pull out occasionally, as if constant viewing would make the image warp or decay even faster. But now, here was his mum again, as if he'd summoned her by talking about her last night, manifested in his grown-up baby sister out under the sun talking to their dad, and being trailed by her dopely adoring fiancé. 
Katara had the same proud bearings Sokka could only halfway remember. Fragile bits of memory of a woman in the kitchen, a hand on the top of his head. Katara had the same light in her eyes as in the pictures, especially his mum's own wedding picture, when she beamed so brightly at the camera it was like she could see him through it. Katara had the same laughter in her face, as if the world couldn't touch her, as if she'd live forever, just as she was. Sokka rubbed hard at his eyes, and hadn't even realised he'd started crying. Oh, shit, are you okay? Toph asked, leaning a little closer. No, I'm good, Sokka said immediately, smiling at his sister now as she waved at him, her own face exploding into a smile. But he was also still crying, because apparently that was a thing he did now. God, it was so early in the day for this much emotion, and he'd already come in so tired and weird. Thanks, universe. Just pile right on. Toph was rubbing his arm, maybe out of reassurance and maybe out of worry, and he appreciated the gesture nonetheless. Sorry, fuck, I'm a mess, Sokka said, digging the heel of his hand into his eyes. Toph patted his arm and hugged it a little bit, surprisingly quiet, and then Katara was there in front of him, and that started the tears all over again. Oh, no, she said immediately. What's wrong? I swear I didn't do anything, Toph said, holding up her hands while remaining against Sokka's side. No, I'm fine, really, it's good, he said, trying to cover his face, because, God, it wasn't stopping. Oh, God, it really wasn't stopping. Like, decades of emotions were all deciding to come out right this second for some horrible, unexplainable reason. Hey, Katara said to someone who walked by, can you go grab Zuko, tall guy, dark hair, not related to us? No, seriously, Sokka said, through a lump in his throat. I, I'm okay, and Zuko doesn't need to. I don't need... But nope. Still crying. Thankfully, without wailing or hyperventilating. But the whole non-stop tears thing still wasn't ideal in any way. And now Katara was hugging him and rubbing his back. You just... you look like... mum, Sokka managed, clinging to his sister, an awkward Toph who was still somewhat attached to his arm, and continuing to pat it. Katara made a soft noise against him. So Sokka sniffled and hugged her, while trying not to muss her prettied up hair or her fancy dress. But he wasn't sure how successful he was being. You're just so grown up, and you look so much like her, and you're so happy with Aang, and I love you so much, and I think my brain is broken, he offered, in a rush. You know, like a crazy person. Oh, Sokka, Katara said, with a wet sort of laugh, because now she was crying too and hugging harder. It's okay. I'm so sorry, Sokka said, sniffling and smiling and hugging harder all at once. I just saw you and I saw mum and then, then this happened. Katara held on harder, and it was his baby sister, all beautiful and adult and successful after everything, and Sokka was still crying. It's okay, she whispered again, although there were sniffles through it. You're okay. We're okay. I swear... I had no idea this was going to happen, Sokka said, trying to control himself. 
And now I'm probably making you all gross with snot and tears. Katara laughed again, her own tears definitely starting to get on Sokka too. And this was ridiculous because it was like 11am and they had to do a whole day of emotions still. I love you so much, and you have no idea what it means to me to hear you say I look like mum, Katara said, squeezing him tighter. I wish she could be here. I know, Sokka said. I do too. But, Katara said, and there was that combination of happiness and tears in her voice. You're here, she punctuated the words with a tighter squeeze. And you've always been here, and that's worth whatever snot and tears might be happening. Sokka laughed through the awkward crying, or cried through the laughing, and tried once again to stop, because this was not normal for him in any way. He made jokes. He cheered other people up. He deflected and avoided and soldiered on. This was, this was. More people were wrapping around the pair of siblings, plus Toph. Ang, Hakoda, Grangran, Bato, Suki, more that Sokka couldn't see, all in a bundled hug of affection that overwhelmed everything else, and Sokka finally just let himself be immersed in it. Sokka wasn't sure how long they stood there before he finally started to control himself, and tried to remind everyone that there was a schedule to keep to, and pictures to take. People laughed a little and began peeling off until it was just Sokka and Katara again, pulled apart and looking at each other. Ang was still nearby, giving them space but staying close, and Toph hadn't gone far either, and somehow that extra presence was reassuring too. Katara rubbed her eyes, smearing her mascara, and Sokka couldn't hold in another teary laugh. Okay, we're going to be a little behind schedule, he said, trying to use a thumb to rub the makeup off, and definitely making it worse. She shooed his hand away, still crying a little too, although she also reached up and tried to swipe the tears from under his eyes. They were a pathetic pair, the two of them, but Sokka could only shake his head and laugh wetly again. Then Katara motioned for someone over Sokka's shoulder to come closer before patting Sokka on both shoulders and giving him one last quick hug. When they separated, she pushed him gently into Zuko, who'd appeared beside him. This is yours now, she said to a startled Zuko, patting Sokka's arm. Uh, Zuko began. I'm fine, Sokka insisted, while probably looking nowhere close to even marginally fine. I don't need a babysitter. Katara just reached out and squeezed his arm before looking back at Zuko. I have to fix my makeup and take pictures, and if I stay near my brother, we're never going to stop crying, she said. Sokka sputtered, wanting to protest, but Katara was already rubbing her eyes and turning away. Ang was there in a moment, wrapping an arm around her shoulder and kissing her temple and sending Sokka an incredibly sweet smile that only someone like Ang could ever manage to project, and Suki was already running over with an emergency makeup case in hand. Katara was taken care of. She was happy and well. That was what mattered. So, I apparently missed a lot in 20 minutes, Zuko said, gingerly wrapping an arm around Sokka's shoulders too. You okay? What's going on? Sokka could only make a sort of muttering noise and cover his face. 
Why did Zuko have to keep being nice? He couldn't just be a jackass and make this easier? He just had to keep making Sokka's emotions turn into some sort of angry pretzel monster he couldn't escape from? It's so stupid, Sokka replied eventually. I doubt it. Sokka shoved his hands into his eyes. I'm not like this. It's a wedding, Zuko said without concern, although his posture was rigid again. And your sister, and your family. Crying's not out of the ordinary. Blubbering like a baby is. Zuko sighed. Will you relax? I am relaxed. Sure you are, Zuko muttered, rubbing Sokka's shoulder. It was nice, honestly, even if Sokka still felt the tears and pressure and whatever else in his eyes and throat getting mashed up with all those crappy feelings again. He sighed and let himself lean into Zuko anyway, although he kept his hands over his face, glad at least that the crying seemed to have stopped. She looks like my mum, Sokka admitted quietly, and apparently that realisation led to whatever this is. Zuko wrapped his other arm around him too and pulled him closer, Sokka's arms trapped between their bodies. Zuko rested his chin on his shoulder. That's not stupid, Zuko said simply, voice low. Then he continued to hold Sokka against him and gently rub his back, as if he wasn't concerned at all with the gross crying face or the public setting or the presence of Sokka's family, like they were more than just accidental friends and random neighbours. Faced with the sheer emotion of that, of Zuko just standing here hugging him like he meant it, Sokka tried to find something coherent to say. He should maybe make a joke of it, or find a way to sweep it all away, but all he found he could do was untangle his arms and wrap them around Zuko's chest and bury his face in his shoulder. Toff's right. I'm still a fucking disaster, Sokka said finally, snuffling a little into the other man's suit coat. Eh, me too, Zuko said, with a sort of awkward shrug that allowed him to keep his arms around Sokka, and Sokka could only make a kind of muffled laugh at that. We've got to be the worst fake boyfriends ever, Sokka muttered, rubbing his face against Zuko's shoulder. Just a pair of goddamn train wrecks. Zero out of ten. The other man laughed in a way that Sokka felt through his own chest. Who could possibly even rank something like that? Zuko said, and Sokka had no idea, but she didn't bother telling Zuko, because for the moment, he was enjoying pretending that this was something real that he could keep. Chapter 8 Summary Now for the actual wedding and its aftermath. Obvious flirting, learning things that were probably unnecessary, and Toph being Toph. Just like everything Katara did, the wedding was perfect. Well, there were the odd hiccups with the sound system and the mics, and a little kid did start screaming during one of the readings, but none of that mattered in the scheme of things. The sun came in through the windows and made all the bundles of flowers seem bright and alive, and the greenery and ribbons and fabric turned the simple room into something dreamlike. 
everyone walked and took their places and did what they were supposed to, and the minister gave his message, and Katara and Aang didn't stop looking at one another for a second. They were so in love it was almost blinding, and there wasn't a dry eye in the room as they did their vows. Thankfully, Sokka had got his uncontrollable crying out beforehand, and managed to just get misty, while his sister and good friend declared their undying love. There was music, there was an exchanging of rings, there were more declarations and candles being lit and more crying and hand-holding, and it was all beautiful. Sokka cheered right along with everyone else as the minister declared Katara and Aang husband and wife, and the two kissed like nothing else in the whole world mattered, which in that moment, it probably didn't. Sokka doubted they would have noticed if the room had suddenly started on fire, or the roof completely caved in. As long as they were up there holding hands and kissing and listening to everyone else celebrate them, life was good. It was a bit of a blur after that, with the procession. Excession? Was there a specific term for leaving the big event? And some more pictures now that they were officially husband and wife. While that was happening, most of the guests stepped out for a while, or helped move things for the caterers and rearrange for the reception. Sokka had lost track of Zuko through the course of the wedding and the hubbub afterwards, but during the cocktail hour, he finally caught sight of him in the foyer, being pretty obviously avoided by most of the other guests. Poor guy. Good thing there was a drink in his hand, which Sokka definitely also needed now that he was wading back into the full extent of his family. Zuko looked up as Sokka approached, and the smile he gave him was unfairly pleasant, like he was glad and maybe even relieved to see him. Which, admittedly, maybe he was, because Sokka was at least better company than a bunch of stuffy, probable homophobes. It was a really nice wedding, Zuko said, as Sokka grabbed the wine glass in his hand and took a drink. And, yeah, help yourself, apparently. Sokka grinned at him and passed the glass back. It was nice, wasn't it? They're so happy and in love, it sort of makes me want to puke. You're such a liar, Zuko argued with a grunt of laughter, taking a drink himself. I saw you up there. You were loving all the mushy romance happening. Slander, Sokka replied, looking back out at the room. It was a lot of the same people from last night, but even more of them every random relative and friend of the family, as well as some of Katara's co-workers and Aang's friends from around the country. No one, thankfully, seemed to be paying attention to him and Zuko over in this corner. You look good up there, Zuko said. When you did the whole groomsman thing, I mean. You did a good job with that. Sokka chuckled. Oh yes, I can correctly match the standards of a well-mannered six-year-old, he said. I'm going to put that on my resume under... Special skills. Hey, well-mannered six-year-old might be a step up from your normal day-to-day life, so... Zuko said. Says the guy who dresses like a lazy twelve-year-old boy. Hey, Zuko protested, gesturing down at himself. This would be one hell of a well-dressed twelve-year-old. Huh, I guess that's true, Sokka said. You do look pretty good when you put in any effort to not look like you just woke up in a dumpster. Uh, thank you, Zuko said, cocking an eyebrow and smirking. Was that supposed to be a compliment? I think I meant it to be one, Sokka said, tipping his head. But it might have gotten lost along the way. 
on brand for you, Zuko said dryly. Oh, is that so? What exactly is my brand then, smartass? Oh, I got this, Zuko said. Along with getting distracted mid-conversation, he said, holding up a first finger to count down. Bad jokes. Terrible snack choices. Chaotic energy. He shut one eye, considering. Personal loyalty. He considered his last finger before announcing, Boomerang. Sokka couldn't help the unattractively loud bark of laughter that came out of him at that, and Zuko looked strangely pleased with himself. I guess I can live with that, Sokka said, lowering his voice, because a few people were watching, or glaring, at them now. I mean, there's more than that, Zuko said, but I figured I'd narrow it down to six, just for the sake of your ego. Sokka let out another laugh. God, I like you, he admitted without meaning to, and he immediately felt himself flush and backpedal. Or, uh, what I meant to say was... Zuko reached out and gave his hand a quick squeeze. I like you too, he said softly, and Sokka met his eyes for a moment, heart in his throat. God, could you two flirt louder? Toph asked, as she carved her way through the crowd. Sokka dropped Zuko's hand without thinking, as if he'd been caught doing something wrong. Seriously, we get it, Toph said, smirking and tapping her cane against someone's foot to force them to move aside for her. You're happy and adorable and the cutest little boyfriends ever, but leave something for the rest of us. Sokka glanced at Zuko, who looked flustered and a little red, and the conversation from that morning came swooping down on him again. Right, of course he'd be embarrassed by Toph thinking they were flirting. Why did Sokka keep doing this, to Zuko and to himself? He had to try to focus, not let himself get caught up in this whole wedding atmosphere and make Zuko feel all weird and uncomfortable again. That one awkward friendship reminder had stung enough, and Sokka didn't exactly want to hear it again. So he pivoted towards Toph. Did you need something, or are you just harassing me because you can, he asked, and Toph just laughed. Dinner, soon, and apparently... I'm the designated soccer fetcher for this wedding, she said, grinning with that goblin-like glee that made Sokka nervous. Speaking of fetching, have you told Zuko about the time me and Katara had to rescue you from their neighbour's dog kennel? Zuko immediately choked on his drink. Okay, I was twelve when that happened, Sokka said, jabbing a finger at her, which of course did nothing but make him feel a little better. It's not my fault. There were puppies, and the door shut and locked behind me. Toph was just laughing, always happy to embarrass him because she was Toph and she could. But two could play at this game. Sokka gave her a smug smile, which of course she couldn't see, but still. So, was that situation before or after you had a massive crush on me and spent a whole summer following me around and trying to Hold my hand, Sokka asked, crossing his arms. And to his satisfaction, Toph did immediately blush and frown and wrinkle her nose at him. I did not have a crush on you, she said, doing her version of angry glaring. Oh, you did, Sokka said, pointing at her again. Katara told me. I'll kill her, 
Not on her wedding day? Toph huffed. Fine, I'll kill her tomorrow. Zuko was watching them and looked close to laughing. Now, what other funny stories might I have about my good friend Toph? Sokka teased, stroking his chin. Toph punched in the direction of his arm, but only managed a glancing blow. At least I never tried to get a fish hook out of my thumb with another fish hook, Toph declared loudly. Sokka laughed. Yeah, that one was pretty dumb. I've still got the scars on my thumb somewhere. But at least I, he continued, never set fire to our tent and got us banned from the park. That, Toph said, with her own finger jab his way, was an accident. And I stabbed my thumb for fun? Zuko made a snorting noise of laughter, which was unattractive and adorable, and made Sokka focus on him again. Toph, Zuko said. You're sitting by me later. Oh, pretty boyfriend, it's a deal, because if I got stories for you, Toph practically beamed. Don't you dare, Sokka warned, although no one could actually stop Toph from doing whatever she wanted to do. Toph cocked her head for a moment, apparently listening to something and ignoring his very legitimate threat, and then said, Oh, oops, we gotta go. Right, Sokka said, and glanced back towards Zuko. We'll hang out more after dinner? Looking forward to it, Zuko said, with that painfully kind sincerity again. God, you two, Toph scoffed. She still hauled Sokka away with her. At least he's as gone on you as you are on him. Well, I'm sure he's not, Sokka said, but didn't know how to argue well, also keeping the act alive. Luckily there wasn't time to respond at that moment, and Toph didn't bring it up again. She did, however, head right to Zuko as soon as dinner and speeches were done, and dessert was being served, while Sokka found himself stuck in a conversation with his dad and Bato. Even as they talked, and they were friendly and supportive and pleasant, which he did appreciate, Sokka kept an eye on Zuko and Toph. Specifically Toph, because of who she was as a human. Once Hakoda and Bato finally left to chat with someone else, Sokka manoeuvred through the tables watching Toph get up and leave, vacating a chair that Sokka then took for himself. Zuko at least smiled as he sat down, and that was a good sign that Toph hadn't said anything too life-ruining. Still, Sokka reached over and stole a drink from whatever was in Zuko's cup. He sputtered immediately. What the hell are you drinking? Pretty sure it's a bastardised Long Island iced tea with some weird strawberry liqueur added, Zuko said, with a casualness that made no sense paired with an admission like that. Sokka blinked at him once. Who are you? Did someone blackmail you? Have you been body snatched? How and why are you drinking that? I'm not, Zuko replied, grinning as he picked up a glass that had been off to his left. I'm drinking this. That, he said to the cup Sokka was now staring at with horror is Toph's half-drunk satanic concoction. Sokka gagged and opted for stealing Zuko's water instead. She's five foot nothing, Sokka muttered. How is she putting away a drink like that? I'm thinking her small size has to be some sort of optical illusion, Zuko said, 
grabbing the water pitcher to refill their now-shared glass. Once Sokka had chugged enough water that the sickening, syrupy flavour was mostly out of his mouth, he sat back and stole Zuko's actual drink. Well, mostly he reached for it, and Zuko just passed it his way. Oh, Sokka said as he stole another drink of wine. Right, I'm supposed to be buying your drinks. That was the deal, right? Do you want something else? Zuko waved him off. Maybe later. Although, maybe, he added with a smirk, we should be keeping you away from the booze if the whole streaking and then falling into a creek and panicking about fish touching you story is anything to go by. I'm never speaking to Toph again, Sokka grunted. And Zuko just laughed. She's a trip, Zuko agreed. But I can tell she really does care about you. She's got a funny way of showing it, Sokka replied, sitting back. Don't we all, Zuko replied, taking a drink. But seriously, after telling me a bunch of embarrassing stories, she then told me how she knew 17 different ways to murder me if I broke your heart. So I think it's a fair trade. Sokka couldn't repress a grin at that. It's been fun getting to meet your friends, Zuko offered. And not just for the incredible amount of blackmail stories I now have on you. Before Sokka could respond to that wildly frightening statement, the DJ announced that it was time for the first dance. The lights lowered a bit more as Katara and Aang swept out onto the now-opened-up dance floor, both still barely able to take their eyes off each other. The music started a moment later, some romantic old song that fit them somehow, and Sokka was struck instantly by a fear that he was about to start sobbing again. But no, as they started into their dance, twirling across the floor and beaming at each other and moving like one perfect unit, his chest just felt full, and achy with affection, no tears required. They look really happy, Zuko whispered beside him. Sokka smiled, unable to take his eyes from the couple still on the dance floor. They are, he replied, and they deserve it. The next song was the father-daughter dance, which gave Sokka those mum flashbacks again, but at least he could handle it better this time. Then the music picked up, and the wedding party and immediate family were all waved to the dance floor to start up the party portion of the evening. The disco lights from the DJ booth started scattering colour across the room, and Toph grabbed Sokka's hands to drag him into some slightly frantic twirly dance that he definitely did not lead. As the next song began, one of those weird follow-along songs to get people dancing, more people filled up the dance floor and joined in the general merriment. There was suddenly a lot of excited kiddos underfoot, and a lot of ready-to-let-loose middle-aged people. It all blurred into a slightly sweaty mass of enjoyment after that, Ang and Katara finding excuses to hold hands, family members pushing in to dance with them or hug them or congratulate them again, little kids squealing and twirling and jumping up and down, the younger guests and wedding party doing increasingly stupid TikTok and Fortnite dances to make each other laugh. Sokka finally broke away when he started suffocating in his suit and headed toward the cash bar. He made a responsible adult decision and got water first, and then followed it with a rum and coke and something for a dude who's picky about everything. Uh, the bartender said, grabbing two plastic cups. Can you give me anything else? Nothing super sweet, 
soccer supplied. And no, damn, what did he say? No Jaeger or liqueurs or IPAs if that was an option. A Manhattan, maybe? The poor bartender offered. Let's give it a shot, Soccer agreed, with no idea at all, and dug some cash out of his wallet. Suko was still at the same table, apparently just observing the reception from afar, when Soccer came back and plopped the cocktail down in front of him. He looked up in surprise as Soccer took the chair beside him again and poked the drink closer. What is it? Suko asked, with the same tone as if Soccer had offered him a possibly active landmine. Manhattan, Soccer said. You're welcome. Zuko shot him a look but tried it, expression going from sceptical to pleasantly surprised. See, Sokka said, I win. Zuko rolled his eyes. You're ridiculous. But it is pretty good. He set the glass back down. How's the dancing been? Hot, Sokka admitted peeling himself out of his suit jacket and leaving it over the back of the chair. Anyone been bugging you? Eh, some random questions and comments, but mostly just people being very polite, Zuko said. Paku did try to have a polite conversation with me this time, he added, with something a little like feral enjoyment in his expression. But I owe him nothing, so he definitely now thinks your boyfriend is an abrasive, vulgar arsehole. Wait. That's not how you are? Oh, shut up. Sokka let out a laugh. So, what do you say to him to give him that impression? Zuko shrugged, still looking pleased with himself, if a little embarrassed. For some reason, he really didn't like hearing about just how damn sexy I find my hot-ass boyfriend. He shot Sokka a semi-apologetic look. It got a little creative, so sorry. You might get some weird looks if anyone overheard. I just got into a rhythm before I finally said enough to chase him away. Sokka was pretty sure he'd ascended to another plane of existence. You talk to Paku, he repeated, about how sexy you think I am? Zuko took another drink. I mean, just for the thing we're doing, just to Get him off your back. Right, Sokka said. Obviously. Zuko continued not looking at him and watching the dance floor and the random new people who had started coming in. But Sokka had never been great at impulse control with attractive people, and he could only mash down his feelings and desire to flirt for so long before it had to go somewhere. And Zuko just kept giving him opportunities. So, what did you say? Sokka asked finally, grinning. Is it the hair? The blue eyes? Maybe the rippling shoulder muscles? Zuko glared at him. Come on, Sokka whined. Just give me something. I gotta know. I mean, what if someone mentions something and I have no idea what they're talking about? That'll undermine our whole thing, and then what are we supposed to do if... You're not going to stop talking, are you? Zuko asked with a huff. Do I ever? Well, according to what I told Paku, Zuko said with a smug smile, 
you're actually at your most attractive when you can't talk because your mouth is otherwise occupied. There was a beach before Sokka could find words again, and Zuko, the bastard, grinned and took another drink. Well, fuck Zuko, Sokka said, because he's definitely ascended to an even higher plane of existence where reality had lost all meaning, because there was no way in hell those words had actually come out of Zuko's mouth. You really went for it. That's that's a strategy. He'll leave me alone and maybe be scarred for life. I told you, Zuko said, colouring a little. I got into a rhythm. Serves him right anyway, poking into other people's private lives. Sokka tried to process his thoughts and the general chaos in his body, but kept coming up with nothing. He did process somewhat distantly, the townies drifting in and greeting Katara or Aang, chatting with other random family members and making themselves at home by the cash bar. Jet apparently had decided to come, as had a few other guys from high school that Sokka had only known distantly. All perfectly reasonable people to have wandered in. No one shitty or emotionally scarring, so that was something. Still, Sokka couldn't shake the conversation. So, it's the mouth, huh? he asked, side-eyeing Zuko. Zuko shot him a look, and Sokka couldn't keep back his laughter, so Zuko somewhat subtly gave him the finger and finished his drink. Okay, he said a moment later, eyes narrowed out at the dance floor. Why does it seem like there's suddenly a bunch more people here? Probably because there are, Sokka said, draining his own drink too. Small town thing, people just stopping into receptions to say hi and drink. It's kind of weird, but it's a way for more random friends, people you might not invite to the actual wedding, to stop by. Or, you know, an excuse for weirdo townies to have cheap drinks and look for hookups. At least it's typically just... Sokka trailed off, eyes landing on a few people who had just entered. Of course. Because he'd just been having a pretty nice time, and feeling like he was doing a decent job navigating all of the weirdness. And the universe just loved proving him wrong. That was The Wedding, chapters 5 to 8, by On My Literature Bullshit Again. Thanks so much to them for just everything in this fic and for letting me record it. If you enjoyed listening, please tell me what you liked over in the comments on AO3, or come shout at me on Tumblr at Dear. You can also find On My Literature Bullshit again there, at On My Literature Bullshit again. Thanks again, till the next one.